Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's one tool that will improve all your relationships. It's not hard to do, and it creates emotional connection and trust in just seconds. It's all about something called bids. Today, I'm going to teach you what they are. Your partner, kids, and friends have been making bids and you don't even realize it. You've been making bids and you don't even realize it. And my top tips for how to use them to create a deeper connection in any relationship. So stay tuned. Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Hey, you're back. I'm back. We're all back. So great to be here with you. You know, I love, love, love doing the podcast. <sighs> and, you know, I did a, a talk a little while ago um, to the federal magistrate judges. How do you like that? Um, if any of you are listening, shout out. And <laughs> sort of a national conference. I'm actually doing another one in July. And um, I, I was, and I was teaching a lot of what I talk about here. And one of the things I taught about was bids. And judges need bids too. And one of the judges had written to me just about how it really changed his life. You know, the, understanding this information and how he's been seeing his marriage through a whole different lens now. And I did a podcast on bids, episode six. That is how important bids are. <laughs> if you go way back in the canon of Abby Medcalf podcast here, episode six was about the importance of bids. But, you know, I was really new to the podcast then. I was just starting out, gosh, almost five years ago now. And um, this is episode, what, 195? I mean, it's, a, it's been a while. I've learned a lot. So I wanted to... Uh, revisit bids. And a lot of you, you know, have jumped in at different parts of the podcast and didn't necessarily go back and listen from episode one. So I really wanted to start with bids just fresh and new. So even if you've listened to that one, this one's going to have different information and more information, hopefully, and really get deeper into it. Uh, you know, I bids are so important. They're in my book, Be Happily Married, even if your partner won't do a thing. My Amazon number one bestseller. Thank you. Uh, you know, if you haven't gotten it yet, check out the book, by the way. There is a chapter in there on bids. Um, but of course, we're going to cover lots of great stuff today. And so, I, you know, thank you to this 
judge for writing in. And I love your emails, by the way, when you write in and tell me, a, ask me a question um, that I can answer maybe on the podcast. Of course, I can't give advice, you know, um, through email. That's not ethical, but I can certainly answer it in a broader term here on the podcast. And I love when you write in and let me know changes that you've made or anything that the podcast has helped with. So thank you for those. Uh, it really means a lot. So this is inspired by that. We're revisiting and we're going to cover everything. So let's talk first about what the hell is a bid, Abby? <laughs> You've been using that term a lot. What is it? So I talk about uh, the bid. Bid is a, a term coined by Dr. John Gottman, who is a famous marriage researcher out of New York City, he and his wife. Um, and I talk about him a lot. I mention him in the book. I mention him everywhere because his research is really solid. I love some solid, you know me, I love me some solid research. So uh, it, he really, he has something called the, that has been dubbed the love lab and he studied couples and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, so, and he coined this term bids in regards to romantic relationships and all the research is in regards to romantic relationships. But I've applied it to every kind of relationship, and, I, and it works. I have to tell you, it works everywhere, uh, which is often true like that. So although I don't have the research to back me up in other relationships, you'll see how it fits. It's incredible. Um, but I do have, again, decades of experience using it with clients with, in bids, not just in their romantic relationships and having great success. So I, I, can, I can say that. Um, so it... it Okay, so let's talk about what it is. So bids are basically an effort to connect. That's what it is. That's all a bid is. Gottman calls them the fundamental unit of emotional communication. How do you like that? The fundamental unit of emotional communication. So once you understand what bids are, you'll realize that you've been ha they've been happening all around you. you. You just haven't understood their significance, and that's what we're going to go into today. So quick examples. My favorite one, always from kids, is mommy, look, <laughs> daddy, look. That when anyone says, hey, look at this, you know, that's a bid. They're looking for your attention. They are looking to, they're communicating to you. This thing's important to me. I want it to be important to you because I want to feel connected to you. That's what they're saying. If your partner grabs your hand when you're walking, that's a bid for connection. Uh, if a friend asks, uh, hey, how'd that conversation go with your boss yesterday? It's a bid for connection. They're, they're looking to go deeper into something. Your coworker, you, you know, you finish some big project at work and a coworker that you've been working with on this project says, hey, let's go out for drinks after work and celebrate. That's a bid. Your partner asks about planning a vacation. It's a bid. You're, you know, all of these are bids. These are bids, I know, and some of them seem really small. So we're going to get into the small and the large. So, so any of these like, asks or or gestures it doesn't matter how big or small they are they could be verbal or nonverbal you know nonverbal grabbing your hand or patting your ass you know maybe your partner pats your ass walking through the kitchen or um you know a wink or a nod or ruffling your kid's hair you know these are all like nonverbal cues and they're all nonverbal bids but they're bids nonetheless they're attempts to make some kind of connection your partner your kid your friend they're asking for your attention. That's what it is fundamentally at its core. And so it comes in other ways too. This, uh, let's say you're uh, in the living room and your partner's working on their computer and you hear them sigh heavily like, oh, you know, and they're <laughs> making some noise like that when they're doing their work. They're looking for your interest or support. They are hoping, they're hoping to connect. People do that. I know it's unconscious when I've sighed out loud and, you know, Gary has said, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, but there really is, even when we're saying that, there's sort of a, a bid to connect. There's, I want someone else to know that I'm in pain, <laughs> even if it's unconscious. Um, when your uh, mom comments that your dad is eating too much red meat. I had a client say this the other day, that her mother was driving her crazy because she kept calling her about her dad's eating. That is, is the mom looking to connect about something that's worrying her, right? And she feels like you're gonna have this connection too. Gary, my Gary, my wonderful man, he loves, you know, his working out, as we all know. And I've talked before about these Spartan races that he loves doing. And he will be watching something or, you know, ooing and eyeing or making a comment. And, you know, he's he's looking for me to show interest in this thing that interests him. And 
he's not consciously thinking, oh, so we can feel closer or, oh, I want her to have interest in this. He's not consciously thinking that, but that's what's happening. And that's what that is. So, and I want you to think of that. The bottom line is that no one is ever just simply commenting on what they're looking at or just asking you a question. They're really looking to engage with you. That is what's really happening. And because people, I want to say this nicely, because people are doing the best with the tools they have, right? That I say it all the time. People are doing the best with the tools they have. The problem is their tools often suck. A lot of us do. So it's not always clear that someone is looking to get closer to us by making these bids. So many times, you know, these bids might be... Uh, like something, you, so what can happen, sorry, being ineloquent, what can happen is the bids can seem like they're trying to push you away, right? Criticizing you, or at least what you take as criticizing, criticizing, believe it or not, is an effort to connect. Complaining is an effort to connect. Nagging is an effort to connect. These are all bids in their way. So it's really what you do with it that counts. And we're going to talk about the different ways you can approach bids. You're, but and I'll, I'll break it down, I promise. But I do want you to see it in that light for now on. Instead of just, you know, oh, I hate this. I want it to go away. We're going to talk about actually how to make it go away is by leaning into the bid. So we'll, we'll talk about that. So, and I also want to point out that you're making bids all the time. You you just don't necessarily realize it or, again, consciously think, oh, I'm making a bid. Sometimes we know we're looking for our partner's attention or our kid's attention or whoever, but a lot of times we don't. So, you know, if you send your mom an article to read, uh, you send your best friend a link to that funny YouTube video, you make a move to have sex with your partner or cuddle on the couch, th these... Uh, even if you, I'm trying to think of something, like even if you made a suggestion to your coworker that they should, um, you know, take an anger management class or get better at Excel or something, all of those are bids. You just don't really realize it. And uh, and Gary and I really, <laughs> not that long ago, realized that I was making bids and I, I didn't understand I was at all around when I cook. So everyone, you know, you got, you know, I love to cook. I love food. I'm a food pervert. Talk about it all the time. I can't stop talking about food. <laughs> so love food. Love it. Love to cook. My dad was a chef. I love to cook. It's something, you know, cooking for people I love. Nothing makes me much happier than that. So when I'm cooking, what was happening a lot is I, I'll ask Gary, you know, I'd be cooking something. I'll say, hey, taste this, you know, taste this. And his answer a lot is, oh, you're a great cook. I'm sure it's fine. Like I, you know, Gary is one of those people who I, I live to eat. Gary eats to live. God bless him. I don't know how we work, but we do. So he, you know, he was in the Navy for many years. He, I swear he could take a pill every day and not eat. He's one of those people. He, he'll forget to eat. Food is in the way for him. It, it's just not, I mean, he likes certain food. He doesn't really like many different kinds of foods. He, he's very kind of, you know, he's got his little group of foods he eats and that's kind of it. He's not Mr. You know, again, food is a way of life for me. So when I'm cooking and I say to him, hey, taste this, what I was really doing was trying to get his interest in this thing that I find so important. And he isn't interested in food and so it's just sort of gone well it's fine you know and he, when he's not hungry he doesn't want to eat hunger has nothing to do with when i eat uh <laughs> like when people say oh i'm not hungry so i didn't eat i don't even it's like they're talking another language i don't understand i was like what is what does hunger have to do with food with eating anyway so i i, I would and i realized i was getting a little annoyed i didn't realize it consciously but i was getting annoyed and i was feeling dismissed by this and i would just be like come on and take a bite, I would actually get sort of, not aggressive, but you know. And he's the one who realized, he said to me one day, hey, this is a bid. You're making bids when you ask me to taste something. And you know what? He's right. This is something that's important to me that I spend a lot of time on, that I cook for the family. I do all these things. And he's always appreciative, you know, like, thank you for cooking. It's so delicious, whatever. But that's not what I was looking for. I'm looking for the interest. And so sometimes we think that when we compliment someone or say thank you or appreciate that that's it. It's not. It's also this more. So sometimes now he jokes, he'll come in the kitchen and he'll say, hey, is there anything for me to taste? You know, he'll sort of, sort of joke around like, I'm looking to taste something, you know. he He's bringing some enthusiasm to this thing I love. He's, you know, bringing some attention. Again, just like I do with those Spartan things. It's like, okay, we're going to go to this 
Spartan race and I'm going to fill your bathtub with ice when you're out at the race and I'm going to go, I'm going to drop you off there and pick you up and I'm going to go get Gatorade. And I don't do the Spartan races, people. We all know this, right? By now, I don't run in these things. I don't want to. I have zero interest, zero. But again, I'm, it's something he's so interested in. So I want to share that in some way so he can see how important he is to me. So I, I make it more important. Now, do I live and die by it? No. Do I go watch videos on my own? No. There's certainly boundaries around it. But I, but I again, show interest like he's doing with the food. Um, we'll go somewhere. We were, uh, when I was speaking in Vegas recently, you know, he came with me and we were hanging out. And he knows I love to go to different restaurants and just like eat an appetizer. So he, and he doesn't have any interest in this, but he'll come, he'll hang out, we'll sit, he'll, you know, have, have a beer, do something, you know, he'll hang out with me. And he loves watching me so happy and enjoying the food. So again, there's ways to share it without having to really share it, if that makes sense. So I hope it does. So again, the big issue with bids is that we, we don't usually understand we're making them or that we're receiving one, okay? So that's, you know, Gary going, oh my God, you've been making bids all this time, all these years. I've been asking him to taste my cooking. Took us a minute to figure it out. I didn't, again, realize I was making a bid and that, but yet it was getting distressful for me, uh, upsetting for me. So because we don't realize we're making one or we don't realize that we're receiving one, we don't understand that they're closely linked to trust and safety with this other person. We don't understand how important they are is basically it. And I'm going to talk later about the research that Gottman has done and some of the stats. But so, and because, you know, let's face it, we don't, nobody likes to be vulnerable. I don't know people. I don't even think Brene Brown does. Like who wants to be vulnerable? It's not our favorite thing. We don't want to put ourselves out there. So bids are often really subtle or they're indirect, much like mine was, right? That was pretty subtle and indirect. Hey, taste this food I'm cooking. Taste the sauce. That doesn't feel very direct. Like, oh, I miss you. I love you. I want us to connect around food. I'm sort of sad that you don't like food the way I do. And I feel like it's something that's we don't share and it makes me a little uncomfortable and I want to get you over here, you know, because I don't want to lose you one day. I don't, I, I don't even know where my crazy... Jewish brain goes, who who knows? But that is really what's happening in everybody's head. That's where we're going. We we fear that not having this connection is going to ultimately mean that we're going to lose this person. That's really what's at the bottom of it, believe it or not. Uh, so we are, again, but who would think my asking taste this sauce means all that? So, but it does. <laughs> it does. So because you don't realize you're looking to connect, and don't realize you're making a bid, it creates problems. So when you do, let's say you ask your partner a question when they're watching TV. This is probably the most common thing I hear. Or someone's on their laptop or they're watching TV or whatever. And let's say you, you know, ask them a question while they're doing that. And then they they dismiss you or even get angry. Why are you always bothering me when I'm watching, you know, my show or the game or whatever? And we end up getting very upset, disappointed, frustrated, even depressed when that happens. And that is why you often end up with kind of an outsized response. Let's face it. You ask them like, hey, let's talk about what's for dinner. And they sort of said, yeah, whatever. And you were really upset by that. You always ignore me, you know, you whatever, right? It, it's an outsized response to asking about dinner. What's the big deal? But it becomes a big deal because of the true intention and meaning of the bid. Because you were looking to connect and you felt rejected by your partner. That's what that felt. It felt like your partner rejected you. They didn't, by the way, but that's how it felt. So that's why you get upset. And and, and it happens to you. So you're watching your favorite show, right? And your partner decides it's a great time to have sex. And you might even, you might joke, you might get angry yourself, like, hey, it's my only time to relax. You're always pawing at me. Who knows? And you end up being the dismisser of the bid that way, right? And and then they're really upset when you try to just jokingly say, oh, hey, right, right now or something. And then they get really upset and they storm off. And you're like, wow, you're having this crazy reaction to my just saying no to sex one time. Uh, and that, do you see how this is all going here? Most people, including you either don't realize they're looking to connect or they, or we feel kind of self-conscious and vulnerable. So don't want to ask directly for time and attention. Sometimes we're asking directly, but a lot of times we're not. So again, what we do instead is we share a story about something that happened at work or the, we ask the other person to go for a walk or what we're really saying is I'm feeling the need to connect with you and it, and 
and and you know it hurts when it's not reciprocated. That's that's the thing. So and I'm I'm harping on this because it's so important for you to truly understand what's underneath. Okay. So let's talk about how bids work because there's three ways that you can deal with a bid. This is according to Gottman in his research. He talks about these three things you can do when someone makes a bid. So right now we're going to talk about someone's making a bid to you. You can, number one, you can turn towards the bid and that's when you lean in, you engage with the other person. So if Gary was laughing at some video, you know, that he's watching, I might go, hey, what is that? You know, and he might even say, oh, it's nothing. And I say, oh, let me see, you know, and I'll come over and I'll check out the video. Because again, a lot of times people don't even realize they're making a bid. Okay. So that's engaging with it. Or if someone asks me to read something and I read it, I'm engaging with them. Number two is you can turn away from the bid. This is when you either didn't realize a bid happened uh, and, you know, you missed it or you ignore it. And again, that could be that you were so engrossed in something that your partner asked you a question and you didn't even hear it. Or you were into it and they asked you the question, you kind of ignored it. <laughs> you're just like, I'm hoping they go away. Or your children were yelling to you, mommy, look, and you were just ignoring them. And the third thing you can do is turn what's called turning against the bid. Okay, turning against the bid. And this is when you get, you know, mad, defensive, argumentative in some way when the bid is made. Again, that's when you might say, you know, why always bother me when I'm watching this show or, uh, you know, whatever. Like you, you, or get defensive when someone makes a bid. Like, I don't think like we're spending much time together. That's a, that's a pretty out there bid. That's a bid. And you, and you come up with all the reasons why they shouldn't feel that way, right? All the reasons why they're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> we we did this yesterday. Last week we did this. Yesterday we did that. Uh, next week we have this planned. What, how could you possibly say we don't spend enough time together? Uh, I've shared before. I had one of the best examples of this was a couple I worked with, and she had said that to him. She said, "You know, we're not spending enough time together." And he was, "We don't. You never spend time." Now again, she said it in that never way, but she said, "You never. We never spend time together." And he. He, he was just incredulous. He said, you've got to be kidding me. Last night, we sat and watched our show together. They have some show they were watching together. Last night, we watched the show together. I went on a business trip two weeks ago and asked you to come and you came. And we, we, you were with me on the trip. We have a, uh, we had, they had something else. They were, there was three things he had. And, but what I said, so the problem is when that happens, and right now you're turning red, aren't you? Because you've done this. Uh, we've all done it. What happens is the person is saying, so for her, sitting and watching TV together is not spending time together because really what she means was I don't feel really connected. I don't feel like we're having connecting good conversations. When she went on the work trip with him, he was mostly about work and his work friends were around all the time. Yeah, she had fun. Yes, they did some stuff together. They had date night and stuff, but it wasn't a lot. And mostly she was on her own on the trip because it was a work trip, which is understandable. And he was trying to do the best he could, inviting her, you know, because he was going away a lot. He was trying to include her more, but what she was looking for was something else. And again, we don't always ask well. We don't always, so the, the comment she made that we, you don't spend time with me, you never spend time with me was way off. So no wonder he was so, but, but when someone's saying that to you, I don't want you to get defensive. I want you to ask questions to find out more. I've talked about this before. You know, you need to figure out, well, what do you mean by that? Because I can think of a lot of times we spent time together. So do you mean something else? What, what are you, what are you really saying? And I'm sure you could think of times we've spent a lot of time together. So what, what is it that you're looking for? Tell me. And really be curious. Be curious. Figure out what it is so you can get to the bottom. Again, this person's making a bid. And especially in these situations when the bid seems so off, when you're thinking, that's crazy. We spent tons of time. You know, that's literally this this husband was like, oh my God, what? And he got really upset too. He said, you know, I don't know what to do anymore. I include you in the business trips. Uh, we do a show together. I make time. I do this. I do this. And it's never enough for you. And it's because the definition is off, right? That really what she didn't even know what she was really looking for. It seems like time, but it was more than that. And we all make those mistakes. We all miss. And that's the issue with the bidding. So so let's give me an example of this turning towards, away, and against another one. Um, let me just do all three with something. So let's say, well, let's say what I said before. Let's say you're engrossed in something on your computer and your partner 
uh, walks in the room and asks what, what you'd like for dinner. Let me put together all my little examples. <laughs> okay. So you're sitting on the couch, you're engrossed in your computer on, it could be work. It could be a funny YouTube video. It could be anything. Okay. Or a show you like, and your partner wants to say, Hey, what are you thinking of for dinner? So you could do three things here. You can turn towards the bid. That means you stop what you're doing. You close the computer. You, you could, you know, you say, you know, one, you could even say one second, you know, uh, I want to talk about dinner. Give me five minutes to finish this up. I'll come find you. That's, that's turning towards the bid. That's fine. You're saying it's important. Let me just finish this sentence I'm writing and I'll come right there. Okay. Either way. So you stop what you're doing, give your full attention and you actually have an engaged conversation about dinner. So you might say, so maybe you're not the one who makes dinner. So you might say, um, well, do you want to go out or stay in? Uh, what do we have on hand? Uh, if you're going to cook, is there anything in particular you'd like? You know what? I don't really want to cook tonight if it's on me. So I'd rather we went out. Let's have some ideas of what we'd like to order. Do you know what I mean? Have a conversation. Have, don't just listen to them saying, well, I thought I'd make chicken. And you're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, because otherwise they wouldn't be asking. If the person's coming in the room saying, what would you like, you know, for dinner? What do you want to do about dinner? And you say, oh, I don't know. What were you thinking? They say, well, I have chicken out. I defrosted it. And I was going to make that. And you go, okay. And then you go back to what you were doing. There's more here. And again, the person asking about the dinner doesn't realize it. They don't realize it. So when things are that obviously nothing, but they went to the problem to ask, and to try to engage you, then there's something else. So you might just stop. You don't have to get to the bottom of the chicken dinner. You can just say, um, chicken sounds great. How you doing? You know, do you want to uh, go for a walk later? Do you want to, um, do you want me to help with dinner? Do you want, right? You could, do you need me to, I don't know, you know, engage, friggin' engage. They're engaging for a reason engaged. Okay. That's turning towards the bib when they ask about, you know, what do you want to do about dinner? To uh, turning away from the bid would be you just ignoring your partner completely. You don't answer them at all. You just keep working. You don't stop what you're doing. You don't look up and say, or or are you, or let's even say you don't stop what you're doing for a minute, or you, you just look up kind of really briefly and say, oh, whatever you want is fine, right? Uh, another, that's all turning away from the bid because uh, you're just sort of dismissing the person. You're also turning away from the bid if your attention is easily diverted. So if they do come in and ask and you stop for a minute, right, to say, oh, I don't know, what do you want? And then a kid walks in and you just suddenly run off with the kid what they need or whatever, instead of saying, hey, just a minute, we're talking, we'll, you know, uh, we'll talk to you in a minute. Or maybe you get a notification on your phone and suddenly you're all engrossed with that and you're not giving your full attention. When you're, when you're turning in, you get you give full attention, not distracted attention. So otherwise it's turning away from the bid, okay? And then the last one is turning against the bid, like I mentioned, and that could be, you know, they walk in, you're on the computer, what do you want to do for dinner? And, you know, why are you always bugging me when I'm right in the middle of something? Or, you know... I never get time just uninterrupted. You know, you're going to make whatever you want for dinner anyway. Why are you asking me? Uh, you know, or or doing, a, you know, the, the heavy sigh, the eye roll, whatever you want is fine. Whatever you want is fine with me. You know, any of that is is pretty hostile. And that's turning against the bid. So you see the examples here? And you should be seeing yourself in one of these. Okay. So... I really want you to think about that. When you turn towards someone, someone's bid, you're telling them you value them. That's what you're doing. And I don't care what it's about. One of the top complaints, top complaints I hear in relationships is that someone doesn't feel heard or seen. This is a work relationships. This is romantic relationships. This is all kinds of relationships, friendships. People don't feel heard or seen. Guess what? This is it. What, what they're really saying is they don't feel connected. That's what that means. I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. It means I don't feel accepted. I don't feel understood. I don't feel like we have this connection. And when you turn towards or, you know, lean into a bid, you're connecting. And I know these seem little because you're talking about little things, but it's what matters. And here's, I'm going to throw in the research here. Gottman says, and I'm going to quote him, that 
the bidding, these kind of bidding interactions have profound effects on marital well-being. Couples, get this, who had divorced after a six-year follow-up had turned toward bids only 33% of the time. So in other words, so only three out of every 10 bids for emotional connection were met with any kind of, you know, support, were met with interaction, were met with, you know, something there. The couples who were still together after six years... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Had turned toward bids... Almost 90% of the time, 87% of the time. So in other words, so so these couples that were still together after six years, this is the best way to say it probably, were getting their emotional needs met. They were getting an, you know, a turning in towards the bid about nine out of 10 times out of, right? Not About nine out of every 10 times, just about. That is significant that that is it. So, because in his research, he found like, you know, people had big fights, they had little fights, you know, there was all kinds of things going on, but it was this turning towards bids. It was how they interacted and the support, because when those bad things happen, when you have a lot of that emotional connection, trust and intimacy, that's what lets you, has you weather the bad things, right? That's what helps you weather them. So, and again, bids aren't just for couples. I, I really want to, um, talk about this. They're, they're really not. When your friend asks you a question, they're making a bid. When your boss asks you to look at something, they're making a bid. When your kid mentions that their friend's Jeremy's dad was at the game and you weren't, they're making a bid for your attention. Again, people don't bring things up for no reason. Now, and let me just talk about this for a minute. So with your kid, because this happened to a client recently, that's why I'm bringing it up. You might've been out of town. I had a client, he was out of, out of town and, uh, but he also has had times when he just can't get out of work. He, he's, you know, runs a company. He, he just, could, he can't always get out of work for a game at, you know, four o'clock, right? He just can't always do it. He tries to make all he can. He really does. He makes it a priority. But then his kid, you know, he didn't make it to this one when he was out of town and his kid, you know, on the phone said to him, yeah, Jeremy's dad, not Jeremy, I'm changing the name, but Jeremy's dad was there, you know, um, and what he, and he just missed it. He didn't realize that was a bid. He didn't realize. So I did have him go back. You know, he told me the story and I said, oh, you know, your son was making a, a bid for your attention. He really is hurt that you weren't at the game. Kids don't understand things the way adults do. Things are, are very black and white for kids. You're there, you're not. There's no mitigating circumstances. And so what had, so what happens a lot you, so you want to lean into something like that. You want to ask questions. But what happens a lot is we get defensive. Let's say my client had noticed this and been like, well, Jeremy's dad doesn't have to work. Or, you know, I did, I come to your game, I came to your game this day, this day, and this day. You know, we, we again, kind of what I was saying before, we get defensive. And we, that's really a, a turning against the bid. That's actually being kind of hostile to the bid. And of course we do that because my, you know, my client might've done that because he felt, uh, attacked. He felt like a bad dad. He felt guilty. He felt ashamed. All the things, right? He felt unappreciated for all the effort he puts in to get to the games when he can, you know. So, but you, you got to let all that go. This is a bit. Here's my kid saying Jeremy's dad was there. And so what I had him do was go back and ask some questions. And so he brought it up with him and he said, you know, hey, you told me the other day about Jeremy's dad being there. Um, and I think he asked him first, like, do you know why you were mentioning that to me? And and I think he couldn't quite answer that because he's a little bit younger. But then he said, the dad said, my client said, you know, it hurts me when I miss things like your games. I'm sort of jealous of Jeremy's dad for being able to be there. Um, 
you know, what, what happens for you when I'm not there? What do you think when I'm not there? What do you feel when I'm not there? You know, sort of lean into it. We, we don't want to lean in because we're afraid that the other person is going to, oh, now they're really going to be upset. Now they're going to think they have every permission to just yell and scream at me or whatever. And that's not what's happening. Again, we want to feel seen and heard. We, so I, you didn't come to my game, which is making me not feel seen, right? Making me feel like I'm not important to you, as important to you as work. And that's hurting my feelings, even though I have no way to really process that. And that's not consciously what I'm thinking, but that's what's happening. So what I had him do, which was great, he said, you know, is there anything I could say to you right now to help you feel better about me not being there? Or is there anything we could do right now for you to see how important you are to me? Is there anything we can set up when I can't come to certain games um, that would help you know that I'm sort of there in another way? You know, like, so... They had a conversation about it. And and he said, I felt so close to my kid after that. He really, he said his kid's eyes got shiny a couple times, which surprised him. And, you know, because the kid was really emotionally invested, even though I think his son didn't even realize how much. I think his son was 10 or 9. You know, it, but this is what happens when we really show people that we see them, that we hear what they're saying. You don't have to be defensive. You don't have to get upset. Um, I had another client whose mom, uh, whose mom, she had a really paranoid, anxious mother. Okay. So, and she grew up with this paranoid, anxious mother who was always uh, so cautious with everything, thought there was a, a murderer around every corner, that her daughter was going to get kidnapped and raped every minute. And, you know, yeah, safety is important, but she really was way too sheltering and guarding of, and my, this client like couldn't date until she went to college. And, you know, like it was horrible. They, they actually wouldn't even pay for college that was, was far away. My client ended up going away to college and paying herself because her parents would only pay for college that was within, uh, like was in their hometown, was close to their hometown. And, you know, that's how much they were just incredibly obsessively about, you know, being all over her stuff. And so her mom, you know, so now my client is a mom and she's got, of course, two daughters. How else would it work? And her mother keeps sending her articles about kids' safety and not walking to school. And every time a a kid gets approached, you know, by some stranger, you know, some article or something happens, she's – and the mom is often on her. Like, you can't – you shouldn't let them walk to school anymore. You know, it's dangerous and all this stuff. And she either has been doing one of two things. She's been turning away from that bid – She's been, you know, everything's fine, mom. It's one block. She's perfectly safe, you know, very dismissive, right? Or actively, you know, turning against, really angry and defensive. You know, you're too paranoid. This is why I didn't take risks growing up. You were, you know, a horrible mom. You know, you guys were too overprotective, blah, blah, blah. You worried every little thing when I was growing up. This has screwed me up, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm in therapy. (laughs) Um, You know, so it'd be one or the other. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. It and now I'm not saying that she could reason with her mother, you know, because her mother has some unreasonable fear-based things. But what we did was we worked on her talking to her mother instead when she would bring this stuff up and and talk to her about, okay, mom, we have different ideas of safety with the girls. Uh, you talking to me all the time about this stuff is, you know, creating problems between you and I. And I don't want that. I love you. I want to be close. I want us to have a good relationship. And I certainly want you to have a good relationship with the girls. So let's talk about how, where else you can take your issues around safety with the girls. Like, is there, do you, you know, do you want to have a therapist and talk to them? Do you want to do something else? But I can't have it here. Um, but I understand, like, or is there something I can say to you each day? You know, can the girls check in by text every night? I don't know, you know, and tell you that they're fine. Like, what what can we do? Again, asking questions. What can we do to shift the situation? Because I'm not going to parent the girls the way you did. It feels very critical when you're constantly on me about this stuff. And I, it comes to the point where I don't want to talk to you, and I don't want that. I love you. You know, I want us to try to figure this out together. And they did. She and her mom figured this out together. And the mom really backed off. It was, and she asked her questions too. Like, do you really think I don't think about the girl's safety? Like, I really want to know. And she had, and she did. She asked from that loving place. I said to her, you can't ask in a shitty way. (laughs) You have to really say, like, really ask. 
is she worried? Maybe she is. Maybe there's something you're missing. Who knows? And so they they were able to have a better conversation about what safety is in place, how they do think about things, um, how she, you know, how how she was keeping the girls sa- as safe as she could and what that felt like. And they had some really good conversations. And she said her mother brought up a couple of points that actually were helpful in thinking about safety overall. And that they now, and she said, my mom is not perfect. She still will, you know, come back in with some stuff every now and then, but it's gotten much better. And she can, again, you know, call her on it in the moments like, hey, mom, it sounds like you're feeling scared again. What's going on for you? You know, you're glomming onto the thing again. Let's remember, we're not having those conversations anymore. What do you need? And so again, looking to connect, how can we make this connection? Okay. So, so this brings me to this part and this is super important. You ready? Drum roll on my desk. Turning towards a bid does not mean, does not mean that you agree with the content. I can't say this strongly enough. Turning towards doesn't mean you agree with it. It doesn't mean you agree that, you know, if your partner is talking about buying a Porsche and you're horrified, it doesn't mean you think they should buy a Porsche. If your teenager is mentioning backpacking for the summer in, you know, in Europe and you're scared to death of that and they're only 14 and you're like, no way, it doesn't mean you think they should or can. What it is, it means that here's something that they're bringing up that's important. They want to talk about it with you. They're mentioning it to you. It's not underground, which is good. They're not, you know, your your partner's not just showing up with a Porsche. They're, <laughs> they're talking about it. So that's a good thing. What you want to do, and I've talked about this before, is kind of say yes first and then ask questions. So, uh, you know, yeah, of course, they'd love you to just agree and go, hey, go buy the Porsche. But you know, ask questions first, you know, so just start with it. So, Hey, what, well, what's got you excited about a Porsche right now? What, what's making you think Porsche? Like where is, is a Porsche, Porsche? I don't know. Uh, what is that? Uh, tell me why you're thinking about backpacking. What, 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 what are you thinking about that? Who have you talked to? What if research have you done? Cause it's possible. Maybe they'll go backpacking in a couple years, or maybe you'll turn that trip into something else when you find out what it really is that they want to do. What is it that they think the backpacking will be or the Porsche or the whatever? So, it's all about not being so afraid when it's coming at you and seeing the bid just for what it is. You don't, it's just something they want to talk about. And often there's something underneath the bid. So maybe your partner wants a Porsche because, uh, you know, I don't know, their whole life they've wanted one and, and they thought that means success to them. I don't know, but have a conversation about it. And I'll tell you this, it's so interesting. Sometimes you might even agree with what they want to do. Let's say you don't care if if your partner buys a Porsche. You don't care. But if you just say, sure, yeah, go ahead, buy a Porsche. Yeah, you seem excited about it. Good for you. And that's it. That's also really not answering the bid. It's not just saying yes that answers a bid. That's turning towards a bid. Instead, it would be like I said, like, oh my gosh, you're talking about Porsches. You've You've been talking about that a long time. You really think you want to buy one? Tell me more. Uh, Show me those let, let me come with you to go test drive some. Let me, uh, let's really talk about, uh, oh, I know you have a bunch of pictures of Porsches on your computer. Let me see them. What are you looking at? What are your favorite kinds? Tell me what the thing is that you like. It doesn't mean you have to become a Porsche fan. You don't have to go buy a shirt or, you know, that says Porsche or anything. Just be in that excitement with them. It's it's the Spartan race for my Gary. Just be in it. You don't have to talk about it all the time. It's okay. And when someone's excited about something, they do talk about it more in the beginning. It does, but it'll lessen. Don't worry. It's okay. Uh, but so really, again, it's not just about agreeing. It's about leaning in. But again, even if you disagree, lean in. Ask questions to connect. Be curious. What's really going on here? Why is the other person interested in this thing? Like, why? And I'll tell you the big worry I hear about this. Um, and I hear it from a lot of you. They'll never stop. <laughs> I can't do that because they'll never stop. That is the thing I hear the most. In other words, so you might think, um, you know, like I've had mom say, oh, please, if I looked up and engaged every time my five-year-old said, mommy, look, I never get anything else done. You've got to be kidding me, Abby. <laughs> um, and and it's, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. It's not true. I had another client I'm thinking of right now who uh, her, 
she had a hut. So she and her husband were both, um, you know, had been brought up uh, Catholic, I think. I want to I want to say Catholic. I think it's Catholic. But her husband and they were married in the Catholic Church and prayer and God were important to her and that kind of thing. But her husband was really got into it over the course of their marriage and became like, I think like a deacon in their church and like more and more things started happening around religion. And my, and he started sending her like scriptures to read and, you know, things to watch and sermons and asking her to go more often to, to Sunday services and other services. And she's just like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. And, and he won't stop. Like, it's just constant. And every now and then she would be like, okay, let me try to read this thing he sent. But mostly she wasn't. Mostly she was like, get it out of here. And so there's a couple comments I want to make about both of these situations now that I'm sitting in them. So let's, so, okay. So first with the kids, you know, if I, if I looked every time my, my kid said, mommy, look, I want to say this, your kids are going to get older and the bids will stop. So try to enjoy them <laughs> why they actually want to engage with you right now. I'm sure everyone hears that. And when you're in it with young kids, you're thinking, I just want a moment's peace. I get it. And it really does stop. As close as I am to my kids, they don't make a lot of bids all the time. They really don't. Now it's things like, hey, could you make this thing I want for dinner? Or, you know, they do like, hey, I'm bored. Like my daughter said the other day, hey, I'm kind of bored, you know? And I said, oh, do you want to do something together? And she said, yeah, what can we do? And, you know, we started... I didn't just sort of give her suggestions for what to do about boredom. And I was busy. I had work. But, you know, my 16-year-old daughter's asking, tell me she's bored. That's a bid. She wants to do something with me. Or she wouldn't have told me she was bored. She would have told a friend and gotten something with a friend. She has lots of friends. So we ended up having a lot of fun. And we went out and we did things. And she's learning to drive. You know, she's going to get her license soon. And uh, I had her drive. She was all excited about that. And, you know, we just, we had a little time together. It was great. We were out for maybe an hour. It wasn't even that long. But it really, it was really, it was fun for the two of us. And then she did go out actually with her friends afterwards. And I was sort of like, I, I felt good. I thought, oh, she actually really wanted to spend time with me. Um, because otherwise, you know, there's lots for her to do. And she can walk places. It's not like, she, oh, she just needed to be in the car. There's plenty, with the way we live here, there's lots of places you can walk and do things. So again, listen, listen when your kids want to engage. So, but again, I do know how exhausting it can be. So I do want to say this, especially when they're younger, because they just want your attention all the time. So set up boundaries around the bids. I remember when my kids were young and I needed that time away or I had to work at home or something, uh, we, I was a big fan, as I mentioned before, the kitchen timer. I love those things, those little portable kitchen timers, you know, tick, tick, tick. Uh, we would, I'd, I'd set it. I'd say, okay, I'm going to set the timer for an hour. And, or 30 minutes or whatever it was. And I'd put it, I put it up somewhere they couldn't reach, they couldn't change it. Um, learned that the hard way. And, <laughs> or, but I would have it somewhere that everybody could hear it. And I'd say, you can't ask me a question. You can't make a request. You can't do anything until that timer goes off. Once it goes off, game on. You can, you know, so if you have questions or something, save them up <laughs> or take care of it yourself. And we would do it that way. So I could create a boundary around time I needed on my own. But a lot of times we are exhausted ourselves. It, it is our own issues we have to work through. And I would invite you to set intentions so you can see things differently when people are asking for your time. Um, that's all. It, I get annoyed too. I, I mean, we're all human. Give me a break. Of course I do. I, I'm, I'm so not a perfect mom or, or, or partner or sister or anything else. But the majority of the time, I try to be aware of this stuff. And I'll teach you the tips in a minute for how to be aware. But so, and I'll say this with, when it comes to your partner, like the thing I said about, you know, like with this client whose uh, husband was more religious, um, and I would say this to anybody who has a partner who's into something, you know, they just want you to see something, be involved in something that you're just not interested in. I want to say this. Again, they're looking to connect and you're not. So they feel disconnected and then they're looking to connect more. So in other words, 
they'll keep making more requests because you're refusing to engage. That's why the requests keep coming. And that is why if you answer one, I know in the beginning, you'll answer the want, you're like, okay, I'm answering the bid. And then, you know, hot in the heels, they have another one. It's, you know, they don't trust it yet. They don't trust that, you know, one thing doesn't make a connection. It's a little bit over time. And if you've been saying no to things for any period of time, then guess what? So having a conversation and dis- and really, again, leaning in, turning into the bid is what it's about. So again, you can make some boundaries around the engagement on, you know, whatever the topic is, but things will loosen if you lean in. So my client, for example, we talked about it and I said, well, what are you going to do with this with your husband? Because he was just coming fast and furious with things. And she did feel like sometimes she would read the thing he sent or listen to the sermon. And then literally the second it was over, he was like, oh, and what about this one? And what about this one? You know, she said it, it felt like a never ending thing, uh, you know, a tirade. And I, I said to her, I want you to say yes for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And so, but with some boundaries. And so I said to her instead, like what she started doing was when her husband would make these attempts at connection, she started really asking him questions or she'd listen to one thing or read one thing and then he'd want more. And she, and she just started asking like from a loving place, loving place, hey, you know, I've already listened to this. What what are you hoping I'm going to get out of this? What what is it that you want from me with this? I I I really don't have interest in listening a lot, but but I know it's important to you. And so, is there another way we can engage about this stuff? What is it that you're really kind of worried about? What what are you trying to get across to me? And she asked it from such a loving, wonderful place, you know, and really sat down and did all the things I say to do in other podcasts about how to how to listen without getting defensive and hurt, how to really set up the conversation for success. But she, what she found out, number one, was that really he was worried about the kids and their spiritual life. He felt like, you know, that if she didn't, wasn't as into all this as he was because she set so much of the tone in the family that the kids wouldn't find God in the way he had, which he found really wonderful. And um, so she talked to him about it. And she talked about their connection and what it meant to her now and what it didn't. So they ended up setting up a time to pray together each morning, which she liked. She was praying anyway, but she started doing it with him. And they had this really wonderful little bonding thing that he was crazy about. And then, and she said to him, I don't really want you sending me stuff anymore, but, but conversations or things about the kids, I want you to think about for now on why you want me to read this thing or see this thing. What is it that you're looking for from me? And then let's have a conversation about that. And so they really started to have these different wonderful conversations about religion and, and again, more about kind of the ethics of their household and what their principles were. What are what are the principles we want to live by in this house? What's our what's our personal family crest, you know? What's our doctrine here? What's our uh what do we believe in? What do we think? What kinds of things do we want to relate to the kids? And these are by the way, awesome conversations to have. These are so important. What's important to you as a family? What's the culture of your family? And so instead of lecturing or anything else, you know, and then they started having great conversations about, she said, you know, you remember when we were their age, we hated church. We hated all this stuff. I don't want them to hate it. So how can we engage them in conversation so that they really listen, so that they really see it in action, so that they uh, think about how they can, you know, turn it towards themselves uh, or, or not turn towards it, how they can incorporate it, integrate it into their own lives. So do you see how these conversations change? Do you see? It's incredible. It really is. Now, again, I've done this with so many people. So, and I want to say one last thing before I get into the tips. I got four four quick tips for you. Turning away from bids consistently Uh Every time you turn away from a bid, every time you turn against a bid, the other person remembers whether they whether they realize it or not. So they don't, but they're keeping score. They are they are tracking all the dismissals, all the rejections, you know, what they perceive as rejection, and they're feeling frustrated, they're angry, they're resentful, they're afraid. And when this happens, often you might find they start criticizing or you or complaining about you. You know, you always X, you never Y. And the trust weakens, 
and the disconnection deepens. And then the more that happens, the more you don't want to be engaged with the things they like and the more, right? It just, it's a snowball. It's a horrible snowball, snowball effect. And again, I think I'm, you know, as I said earlier, in, in, in this research that Gottman has done, especially with couples, he found that, you know, when they break up, it's not because of the big things. It's not like, you know, they cheated or, you know, some couples break up over cheating and some don't. Some couples break up over, you know, the issues with the chores around the house and some don't. He found that it's, be, it's really when they break up, it's because of all the distrust, the resentment and the distance that builds up with every bid that's turned away or turned against over the course of the relationship. Again, you know, people are keeping score. They're adding them up in their heads. And so it's really, really important for you to realize it's such a again easy tool to build connection it's a it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer that I really want you to get so let's jump into the four tips they're quick and easy um number one you know what it's going to be can we just what is number one going to be you already know what is number one always because it's the truth be freaking mindful <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah I'm lecturing on you again. Oh, and I'm not going to shut up about it. If you don't slow down, if you don't notice the bids when they're happening, if you're not in your moments present in your life, you won't be able to acknowledge the bids. Not going to happen. Not going to be able to acknowledge them. You missed them. Being mindful is the secret sauce. It's also the secret sauce to you making bids. It's So it's the secret sauce to answering them and to making them. Again, I've got a free mindfulness starter kit right here right here. Whenever I mention something on the podcast, if you're listening on Spotify or anywhere else, all you got to do is come over to the website. That's where everything lives. Come to the website, abbymedcalf.com. Go to the podcast page. Go to the relationship tips and tools page. That's where the corresponding blog post is for just about, I'd say 99.9% of the podcasts I do have a corresponding uh blog post. The only time they don't is sometimes an Ask Dr. Abby won't, but all the rest do. And go there and all the links are there, either on what we call the show notes page on the podcast page where you find this this episode or on the relationship tips and tools page where you find the corresponding blog to the episode. All the tips and tools are there. All the things I mentioned you can download for free or to pay for or anything are all there. So it's so easy. Wherever you're listening, come over to the website, get your goods. So you can get the free mindfulness starter kit. You can get the free meditation starter kit. I now have a meditation album to help you to learn to meditate. It is not expensive to take you, I hold your hand step by step so you can meditate for 15 minutes uh, in just 15 days. Get it. Just get it. I don't create anything. My book, anything I create isn't just, oh, uh, oh I let, let's just find ways to, you know, people to spend money. I always create things that have high value, including this podcast, and you don't have to spend a penny on it. Come on. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes there's money to be spent if you want to, and you can always get things for free. Either way, I've got it. I've got you. I've got you. <laughs> but you you got to do the work. I can't, just listening to this podcast is at any time is not going to do it. I always want you to take action. That's why I always have so many actionable items. So get mindful. Meditation is a great way to become more mindful, but just getting mindful and doing the starter kit will help you. All right. Number two, now that you're mindful, Set an intention to look for bids in all their shapes and sizes. Start setting intention often. If, you're, if your kid heaves a big sigh while doing the homework, engage. If your partner pats your ass as they walk by, engage. If your coworker asks for feedback, engage. <laughs> Turn towards the bid. So be if you set an intention, it'll help your brain get into that mindset. It'll help your brain pay attention to that. So so do it. I have a whole thing on setting intention. I've got a great video called The 18 Second Shift about how to set intention often. I've got podcast episodes on it. Please, please, please listen, listen, listen. Number three, make bids yourself every day, all day. I don't care how big. I don't care how small. Greet your partner at the door with a big welcome home hug and a smile. Sit down with your kids and play a game or watch a favorite show together. Ask them something what they would like to do together. That would be fun. Uh, text your best friend that you're thinking about them. Make plans with your mom for lunch. Uh, you know, ask people for their feedback. Um, ask someone to go play tennis or take lessons with you or whatever. Make bids. Make them all day. Make them, make them, make them. Ask your partner to taste the sauce that you're cooking. <laughs> uh, make bids because this is, it should be both ways. And if you've noticed that you don't make bids, 
that's a problem. And you might be thinking, well, I don't make them because they're never answered. Well, you, you got to get over that. That is a victim way to be. That is a distrustful way to be, an angry way to be. You're not going to get very far with that. So, you know, I don't do the victim thing. Uh-uh. Not, not, not on my show. So put on your big girl pants or your big boy pants and make some bids. It's time. Get vulnerable. Get clear. And let's start doing it. All right. And number four that you can try is... I call it a yes week. So pick someone in your life that you want to get a little closer to, that you want to practice bids with, and say yes to whatever they ask for one week. That's it. Make a commitment to say yes to whatever your partner, your kid, your brother, whoever asked for, for for the next week. You'll, you're going to see, there's going to be more intimacy. There's going to be more connection. You're going to be more excited about the relationship. They're going to be more excited about the relationship. It's incredible. So no matter what they do, you're just on the lookout for bids from this person, no matter what. They say, if they laugh at a video, you jump up and say, let me see it. If they ask you to go for a walk, you jump up and go for a walk. If they, you know, say, what do you want for dinner? You you stop what you're doing and say, oh, I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Let's talk about it. You actively engage and no matter how big, how small, and you will find some differences. Okay. I know I want to wrap up with something. I I think I'm going to say this. Successful, which to me means successful relationships, any of them, which to me means emotionally close and fulfilling relationships, are all about your full attention. Not 100% of the time, because obviously you can't do that. You got other things. But when it's there, 100% of your attention, full attention is what's needed. Put your fucking phone down, close your laptop, Make eye contact, set an intention for to fully connect, right? With all of your being, that's what I need you to do. That's what I need you to do. There, your love is not to be found on your phone. I'm telling you right now, connection is not found on your phone, even if you're on Facebook or something else doing it. I'm aging myself by saying Facebook. I don't even, I'm not even on Facebook, but there you go. Well, my, I have an account on Facebook. Sorry, I don't go on there much. Um, so, I really want you to think about that. There, If you had a week to live, you'd be giving full attention to your relationships. You would. That would be the place that you would be putting all of your energy and all of all of your stuff. And uh, I, I hear you now. You're like, I can't live like I only have a week to live. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. What a great way. What a great way to be in this world. You're not going to do it every minute, but do it as often as you can because that's really what it's about. And here we are at the end. So I... Feel like this hopefully was really helpful. It's always helpful for me when I write these up, you know, and I'm taking my notes and I'm looking at things. I'm thinking about my own life and how much I start to forget to answer bids or make bids. I kind of I can suck at making bids because I, you know, I'm like a do-it-yourself gal. So it is important, and and I and thank you for this reminder. But you know, I I do this with you, and I get reminded to live. I live a happier life, so it's really important. You know, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much that I do this. I do this for our relationship. I do this for, because I know that when you're happier, you're going to make the world a better place. I know that you're going to pass that on to your kids. I know that you're going to feel love, most importantly, and and be in this world in a, in a more loving, connected place. And what what could be better? What could be better? So I'm glad you're here with me. Please, you know, support me. Uh, leave a review for the podcast or rate it on Spotify. Uh, buy my book or some merchandise on the website or, on, you know, buy the book on Amazon if you want or the website. You know, share this episode with someone you think it could help. There are so many ways. Again, you and I are in a relationship. There's a lot of ways to support me. Um, I try to think of all the ways I can support you. Certainly write in to abby at abbymetcalf.com or you can go to the Let's Connect page on the website. If you have a question you'd like answered, that's a way I can support you also. Um, and I might, you know, try to answer it on an upcoming episode or in a broader sense with a topic like this. And, you know, let's support each other. That's what we do, right? So I adore you. There's nothing in this world more important than love when we're at the end of it. So not at the end of it, right now. There's nothing more important than love and our relationships, loving ourselves, loving others. So come do it with me. If you haven't, by the way, signed up for my weekly love letter, you can do that on the website also, which is just go to the 
my website, abbymetcalf.com, and there's a little tab at the top that says week, uh, weekly love letter, I think it says, or love letter. And that's my weekly love letter. And I always uh, try to just be inspirational and help you point yourself in the right direction for the week. So it's another way to uh, stay connected in our relationship. Uh, that's it. I love you. Have an amazing week. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.